Welcome to the CSRG Podcast, the uncensored, unscripted version. I'm oh Keanu. And my name is Chris. Uh, today we're going to talk about Area 8, so we got to shoot it last weekend. Um, it was a really good match. Keanu didn't DQ or point a gun at anybody, so... Um, but we had a few squad members who did. Yeah, and there were a lot of people in the match who did as well. So it was a tricky one, um, but I think it was a good match overall, and yeah. the stage is really good. We'll touch on those start positions, too. Yeah, well, we'll just uh, give a shout-out to EGW. They're the title sponsor once again for Area 8. Uh, thanks again to all the staff yep. uh, who put it together. It was, a, you know, 14 stages, which is a lot for a one-day format, but we were out by about 5 o'clock. Oh, and the weather really was good. great. Oh, yeah. No no super dehydration. I don't think anybody got a heat stroke. No. Um, but, yeah. Um, but I guess we're just going to kind of debrief on what we what we experienced throughout the match and, you know, ups and downs of it. So, um, I guess let's talk about the start positions. Again, I think there were more than, like, 40 DQs. There were a lot. There were, I think there were, like, 30-something. Yeah. There were a lot. And I yeah. think one of the biggest... I, don't, I wouldn't say an issue, but really the start positions that really got people for this match were the ones where you're essentially in a surrender position facing uprange with a turn and draw with a target presentation. Or just any any uprange start got people, I think. But I think the, the biggest part about it was that the target presentation, once you turn, the first target was on your right. And so it, a lot it depends on the way you run it, but yeah, I think you, you would you would never draw. It's not like an El Prez or, or a classifier where you draw pretty much directly downrange. You're always drawing at you're drawing at like you know 120 degrees or like 150 degrees or something like that. Yeah. So like the risk was increased, but fundamentally it shouldn't make a difference because you're supposed to turn and then draw. Yeah, but I think the the biggest part, like it's the hardest part about it was because most shooters are right-handed. Instead of turning to the right side, you had to turn to the left side if you wanted the fastest target presentation. And if you drew the gun before your right foot followed on your turn, you essentially broke the 180. And so I think that's what really got a lot of people this weekend. So, um, yeah, And actually, there's a lot of drama on Facebook about it. A lot of uh, drama on the USPSA Area 8 Facebook page. I mean, were they just complaining about how it was like an unsafe target presentation? or like... People were talking about how they were DQ traps and stuff like that. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think DQ traps are really a thing. No. If, you, if if stage designers follow the rules, DQ traps don't exist because the rules state that all targets must be engageable from viewing positions yeah, or from within the shooting area. So whatever you see at a certain position, if you're going to shoot it, it's going to be within the 180 period. Um, and Jim McBurnett, who was the range master of the um, of the of the of stages one through six, was saying how he inspected every single stage and he said there was there were no DQ traps traps or anything like that. Um, and and I believe in, in when I, and when you, we were looking at the stages, we didn't see anything chancy. The hardest mm-hmm. part was just getting the gun out of the holster after you've turned, which really isn't that much. Like, you'll you're gonna save what two two to three tenths of a second. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, drawing facing downrange as opposed to drawing uprange. Yeah, and, and you don't DQ. And it really wasn't like a chancy or risky draw either. It was just a timing thing. Yeah. Um. And I, you know, maybe it might have been unfair because one of them was an uprange wrist below belt and, you know, your muscle memory is to just snatch the gun. But, you know, that's what the sport is about is, you know, putting you in a situation that you're not necessarily comfortable with yeah. and not pointing a gun at somebody. Yeah. Um, and people were complaining how it has like nothing to do with shooting like and stuff like that. But in the end, it's like a lot of the shooting we do doesn't have a lot to do with shooting. Like, yeah, sta- I mean, half, half the stages that we shoot are all movement based. Yeah. So... I mean, so it's like if you wanted just to shoot, go shoot like Bianchi Cup. 
Yeah, and that's like saying having to run back up range because you're starting down range is a DQ trap because you you're not comfortable running up range with your gun. Yeah, and it's not. Like, it's it's just, just something you have to learn to do, and it's something you're going to see in USPSA stages. So just get over it. Yeah, and so again, a lot of people DQ'd, and that's probably I don't I want to say probably the most DQs I've seen at a major personally. But again, I don't think it was a, it was an unfair stage design or anything because I think that was the most I've seen in a single match yeah um, but I mean the fact that Keanu and I both got through this match without pointing a gun at somebody <laughs> yeah we just do stupid stuff when we shoot so yeah. Uh, yeah I don't think it was an unfair you know I don't think it was unfair or whatever I think when I was watching you I definitely saw some some times when you were um, so you, you were a little uh, a little loosey goosey with a muzzle um, on a few of the uprange stages when you were moving uh, weak side but yeah, uh, um, but I don't think you broke 180. But it, like, the distinguishment gets kind of hard, especially when you're right on it or you're just breaking past it. Yeah, and it really, it really becomes a judgment call on the RO who's ROing you. Yeah, and I think the ROs um, do end up being pretty lenient with it, just because, um, because when you DQ someone, that's a big deal. You you have to be it has to be definitive. You have to be absolutely sure, and otherwise, um, otherwise if the if the ROs come forward to the RM and say, you know, I'm not really 100% sure. It's just going to get overturned. So you're just wasting everyone's time at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other fun thing about this match is uh, who, who are they saying first first started it? Phil Strader. Uh, there was one stage where you could shoot a popper in like a one inch sliver of space between walls. Okay. I was, uh, re- I was ready just to quit after that stage. <laughs> not because of my shooting, but because of one other person in our squad shooting. I won't mention who it is, but he shot the stage four times. Because pretty much what happens is that if you shoot the wall and hit the popper, you get a reshoot. Yep. Um, and it was really, I, I would say, about an inch worth of shooting space to hit the popper. Um, and so a lot of people went that route, and there was a lot of reshoots. Yeah, the potential for, um, the potential for a better run was there. But the risk was a lot higher. Yeah, but not for, only because you had to reshoot, but because it was a considerably harder shot. So I took three makeup. I took two makeup shots on it. So I got it on the third shot. Yeah, which which arguably arguably would have probably saved you maybe about a second or two. Well, if, so if I was looking at the as, limited times. Uh-huh. I think it would have been for, for the way I ran it and for the amount of shots I took at it, it would have been a wash. Yeah, but if I got it on the first try, that would have saved me two to seconds. Yeah, so it was, I think the risk was there, or the reward was there for sure, but there was yeah. some risk because inevitably it would be a wash whether you have a safer run. Uh, but of course you had the fallback of getting a reshoot, but that also sucks because... You're, you're wasting ammo, you're wasting time, and the squad might want to murder you. Yeah, and again, I think uh, the shooter almost ran out of ammo through the day because they had to reshoot. I think it was a 26 He had to reshoot stage. the last stage too. Yeah, it was a 26-round stage. Um, and so reshooting it three times or so running it four times, it's a lot of ammo for a major match. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that those were the only really notable things about the stages, in my opinion, this year. Um, there was nothing else that was um, super intense or interesting. Um, uh, what about Duda's stage? I mean, the, the one with the pulleys. That was kind of cool. I don't think it was necessarily hard stage. I mean, I, the way that the stage worked was uh, you needed to pull a pulley. Push um, a pulley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to pull it or push it. Um, push a up, slide and activate a pulley. Yeah, yeah. About like halfway for it to open up a, a window, and then you had some targets in between, so you had to engage them strong hand or weak hand only, depending on how you shot it. Or you had to run back and and activate them. Yeah, but I feel like it wasn't a long enough stage depth wise for it to really hurt you that much to run back on certain portions. Like usually, every I think everybody I saw shoot it, 
they pretty much took most of the array on the second half, which would make you shoot weekend, and then run back and push. They pushed the prop after shooting. Yeah, and then the um, one left-handed guy in our squad did it the opposite, and it doesn't. It didn't seem to affect time that much. No, and because um, like, there's realistically only six to seven feet of movement, and that's it. So that's like two or three strides. Yeah, but it feels like you know a twenty yard. Like, I guess spread out between 20 yards, it would have been a lot more punishing to not shoot a strong hand weekend. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it was, it was an interesting concept. Um, but I, I don't think it was as hard as you might have thought it was when you're yeah. looking at the stage. People were complaining, or, too, before they even shot the stage. They were going, on like, on Facebook, they were saying, it's like, oh, I hope this fails, and like because that way the stage gets thrown out, this and this and this and this. And it's just like, you know, I want the stage to be really hateful now just so it screws everyone who complains over. Because, it, like, it's... In the end, if you're shooting well and if you can shoot well, um, like it's it's almost like a gimmick on how they run stages because regardless, everybody has to run the same stage. Yep. And if you're not shooting it well, it's most likely because it's something related to your fundamentals. The way or, I see it, if a stage gets tossed, I get pissed because that's just my dollar per stage just increased for a major match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but again, I there was very little to fail on that stage. So overall, I think it was a it was a good stage. Um, it was fun to shoot. Yeah, that was our first stage too. So, uh, a lot of people were saying how uh, how that stage was going to be wonky to run and everything. But I, I really think no one had any issue in our squad. Yeah, production. I think that stage really sucked for low cap shooters, though. It did, but even then, I mean, they still had it. I think you had a five target presentation on the draw. Um, so as long as you had one makeup, and then you, yeah, the reloads were a little bit in odd places, but yeah, you had you pretty much had to do standing reloads or reloads moving backwards. That, yeah. Those are your only choices, pretty much. But, like, if you reload moving backwards, too, I mean, that's that's something we do all the time, right? It's a great way to eat up time on a reload. So, I don't... Yeah, I feel like it was just as hateful as it is to just shoot production in general or any low-cap division. I guess, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people were stressing about the memory stage for this match as well, but... Um, it really wasn't that bad. It wasn't. Um, I think the only thing you had to worry about was maybe engaging three targets maybe four targets twice if you couldn't remember the stage plan but i think it was only two targets realistically yeah like the stacked targets the one on the far right and then there's one on the far left that you can see from two ports well i wasn't worried so much about the stack targets um the one target all the way on the right all the way in the back um on the memory stage the one by the mini popper and then the other target that was the second second to the leftmost target yeah you could see mm -hmm. that one you could see both of them from two or three different positions those are the only ones i was worrying about doubling up on yeah but it was like an eight eight paper stage it was 10 10 paper five yeah steel. but like even then it, you know from from a memory stage perspective it's just not that bad yeah you have it really wasn't um yeah because i think it was maybe five five ports to engage 10 targets and then like five pieces of steel and you had two targets guaranteed on the end of both yeah so and so, yeah, it really wasn't too bad. So overall, I think the match, they had really cool props. It was very diverse. I mean, they had some speed shoots. They had some really long field courses with low round count. The um, speed shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speed. Yeah, so th this match in general was just an interesting match for me because um, my Atlas was actually down for this one. Um, I hadn't shot very much since, well, I guess, West PA it was. Um, and so I was out there with my CK, so my backup gun, with the Delta Point Pro that I haven't shot in probably a year. Over a year, I think, at this point. <laughs> with ammo that I also have not shot. Um, so this is, you know, I was uh, loading Winchester Auto Comp when I was shooting the CK, and I moved on to Silhouette, so the, the dot movement was a lot different. 
Uh, the gun transitioned a lot differently because it was so light. But uh, that speed shoot was a dumpster fire. You should uh, hit up my Instagram and you'll see exactly what happened. Basically, um, Chris shot all the targets except the one activator. And then when the when upon activation of the activator, Chris decided to unload and show clear. And then he saw what he was doing. He heard all of us laughing. And then he reloaded the gun and shot it. But it was also confusing because I saw one big fat hole in the no shoot. <laughs> yeah. He was lucky though because he got a reshoot. Yeah. Um, because of an unpasted no shoot. But yeah, I mean, it was, and then I, there was one stage, I think it was pretty cool. It was kind of a speed shoot, and then they had two tuxedos out at 25 yards. Um, it was about 25 yards, maybe 30, 18. Um, it was a 20 They were saying, who was it? Our friends were saying that it was closer to like 25 to 30, but they didn't look that far to me. They didn't. I, they were bigger than your dry fire targets at home, so... <laughs> I drive around really small targets, though. So Yeah, you do. Um, but if it were Sam, you would be 50 I, I, I think they were but, about 25 yards. Yeah, about 25. Um, and A I, lot of people messed up. Yeah, a lot of people got mics on that, especially because it was a speed shoot, so it really rewarded a fast time. It wasn't really a speed shoot, but it did reward fast. It was a fast stage, but I, I wouldn't say it was a speed shoot. Yeah, because it, it doesn't follow the rule for a speed shoot. Yeah, speed shoots have uh, to be from a single shooting position. Yeah, well, but it was almost a single shooting position, if you think about it. But species um, also cannot exceed 16 rounds. Okay. Yeah. See, you should, you should I, learn the rules, Chris. I should. I should also learn how to shoot. So <laughs> You shot actually pretty okay which, for which that match. Which was really funny. So I ended up placing, I think, like 48th overall. <laughs> it was like a dumpster fire of a match for me. He ended up um, beating like a lot of the people that usually beat him at majors. Which means um, they probably had a bad day. Because I was not having But your gun time. also ran 100%. It did. You had no um, issues with the CK. And I, I, I think the Hollow Sun was giving you a lot of problems on the Atlas. Yeah, so I don't know if it's the Hollow Because the gun was working fine before then. The moment you switch optics, it, st- you, it started having a lot of extraction and injection issues. But, but the funny thing is that for about a thousand rounds with the Hollow Sun, it was working fine. And so that's why I think it might be something else. Maybe my... Ex- but the Hollow Sun is definitely exacerbating. Yeah, so maybe it might be the extractor that's you know getting a little wonky after you know so many rounds. But I, I feel like if I throw my double point back onto the Atlas, those issues will go away and it'll at least help me make it through the rest of the season without having to send my gun in or to buy some more parts to keep it running. Um, but yeah, my CK ran very well. It was actually a very soft shooting gun compared to the Atlas. Um, well, you don't have to shoot as hot ammo in it, too. Yeah, well, I mean, I was still at 172 power factor for the day, but I feel like with the polymer grip, um, having the longer full-length slide and barrel um, definitely help with how soft the gun feels. Because, I, you know, one thing I like about the Atlas is because it's kind of violent in the hands. It resets really fast. It's a very fast-shooting gun. Yeah. Um, but you kind of give up that softness. And I think for me, having not shot a lot before the match, it, it was kind of a welcome surprise in my hands throughout the day yeah and it's like it's a good gun it works it runs and it shoots straight yeah and i think it has like seven thousand rounds through it It hasn't had a cracked slide like some people um yeah and it, and it runs so I, I i can't really complain about anything other than just not practicing and not practicing with the gun but yeah was, the speech you was a dumpster fire it was bad it was pretty um, amazing honestly but, but but i beat jj on one stage so i think i can just quit shooting now <laughs> Quit while you're ahead. I mean, okay, to be fair, an 18-year-old also beat JJ, so... Well, but that 18-year-old also has beaten everybody at pretty much every area match that has happened this year. Yeah, congrats to Christian Seiler for winning Area 8 for his... uh, Out of all the eight areas in USPSA for his 10th area win this year. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> and just like that, he took half your points. Yeah, I like the uh, the the go fast don't suck meme where with uh, the Thanos with, with Siler as yeah. Thanos. <laughs> yeah, and uh, condolences to Mason Lane for breaking your wrist. I think or your running arm. away from a pound of bacon. Yeah, so it, Nationals is going to be a, an interesting thing to spectate. He's still going to beat all of like half of us there, so I'm not. I'm I'm sure the. Uh, the broken arm is nothing more than a hindrance. Yeah, um, but I'm trying to think. Other than other than the stages, I mean, Airy Eight, I felt like it was pretty vanilla this year. It wasn't. I'll I'll be I'll say it like it was a decently it was it was a pretty easy match. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't easy easy like it wasn't a hoser match, but it wasn't particularly difficult. I, I guess it wasn't very technical. I think the one stage that I think the hardest stage was a stage with the. Um, the one it was one of the turn and draw stages, um, and it was the one with a hard cover with the swinger behind steel hard cover and the swinger had hard cover on it. Okay, yeah, I think so. that was probably the hardest stage for the entire match. That one and the uh, and the stage with the twenty five yard tuxedos. Yeah, um, but even then they weren't obnoxiously hard. Um, no, no, I, like I didn't look at them and be like, oh, geez, this is gonna suck. Yeah, and I feel like you know for the for the swinger stage, I, I think it's like stage. Probably five or six, which one it was. Um, but yeah, you had pretty much three ports that you had to go to downrange, and you had to pull out of them as well. Um, but even then, I'm, I'm trying to think about the range. I mean, they had some tilted Ipsic targets. They had one with a no-shoot. Um, you had some steel engageable from multiple places. But really, there's no shot further than probably 15 yards on that stage if you played it right. Yeah, 15 um, to 20 yards, yeah. And so, you know, if you're practicing your, your marksmanship and sight picture, um, it wasn't necessarily too difficult, but the swinger was fast, that's for sure. But you had an option to activate it very early um, where it became a pretty manageable speed by the time you were at your last position. And the nice thing about that stage was the swinger was engageable from all three positions as well. So, um, Yeah, it was a well-thought-out stage. It was, yeah. And I think that, that, was, I, that was my takeaway for Area 8 is that it was – a very well done match the stages were really good but it wasn't necessarily a difficult match to shoot um and there it just wasn't very what's the right way to put it spectacular i don't yeah. know if that's the right way to put it but like area last year was a was a very fun match like it was a hateful match um, i i oh, i only shot one and a half stages yeah. last year so i wouldn't know um, and but but i think it was good though because it gave everyone an opportunity to really perform very well i like it didn't isolate anybody from. Performing it it, it well. was easy enough where where you, where people could, kind of push their potential, but it still gave you enough rope to hang yourself on. Um, a lot of people had so I had two mics, which I felt like was a lot for this match. Um, if it's any indication of the difficulty of it, um, but a lot of people had you know five, five to ten mics for the match and. That's kind of like that's kind of crazy. Yeah, and I think I got away with two mics, two no shoots, and then a foot fault. I think you had a foot fault. I did. So I, I slipped on the stage with the uh, with the popper that you can shoot from that sliver. Um, my foot slipped off of it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. My I foot slipped that. off the fault line, um, pulling a second shot on a transition. Um, but the fact that I could get through that match with two mics and two no shoots means that it probably wasn't the hardest match from a like a marksmanship perspective or, i think you've had more at my indoor match i have yeah and i think at area <laughs> eight last year i had 14 or 18 mics 
Well, Area 8 for you last year in general is just kind of a mess, right? I mean, it, it was the... Because you were texting me about how like how, how terrible you were doing I think, at that match. I think it was really a transition match for me where, where I was really starting to get comfortable with open and going fast. And then, you know, it was a lot... Of, I think a lot of the issues that we saw earlier this year when we really started shooting together, um, they really started manifesting last year at Area 8. And um, where I was kind of hitting that wall where my marksmanship wasn't very good. Um, and then just trying to go too fast without having some of the fundamentals uh, strong enough to support that speed. Area 8 for me was that last year. Um, but, you know, it's still not good. I mean, you've seen some of the shots that I pulled at this match. And so, yeah, like, like the 10 makeups you took on the steel yo. on our, on our uh, second stage. <laughs> so bad. But, again, I, I got out of that match with two mics, two no-shoots. And so, you know, it wasn't a an unfair match when it comes to target placement, I feel like. so. Yeah. I, I think organization-wise, the match could have... Uh, I think Chrono should have been wrapped in with a speed shoot because they did, they ran them as two separate stages. Yeah. And after that, that immediately caused a backup on the next squad uh, we were on or like the one we were behind. Yeah. Because we ended up being backed up behind them for the entire day. But I, I do feel... I, I do remember them telling us not to go to Chrono because there was already a backup. And so I feel like if the if the squads ahead of us were moving just a little bit faster, they kind of could have funneled people in. Um, yeah, but I don't know, what, 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 like, what was the deal with the squad in front of us because they were running really slow. But I mean, like, they had like two revolver shooters, and and it looked like you know a, a low cap C or D class Fair, shooter. Yeah. Um, and so you know, but it's still, just, like, shooting is like that's adding maybe 20, 20 seconds or so. Like, cumulatively, you're adding a minute. Like, if, if you're having a backup on a squad, it's because of a stage issue that makes it hard to reset, or it's because people aren't resetting. Yeah, the but, ROs are the same, so the scoring is consistent. It's just the yeah. reset time, I think. I, I would probably say the squad ahead of us probably just didn't reset as fast either. Just there for, were a lot of people, like, when we were backed up behind them, there were a lot of people just standing around. About half of the squad was probably just standing around, like, chilling. Yeah, and I think it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, especially because they have... From what it seemed like, they had some shooters who are on, you know, probably... B class, C class, D class in that squad. And, you know, part of it is the, the overwhelming pressure at a major match for somebody who's still pretty new or still at that skill level. And so, you know. I think they were just lazy. I, I didn't want to say it, but um, <laughs> kind of what I'm getting at as well. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's just the way I see it. And I think that, that was really the only issue I had. Um, yeah, but I you know interest, interesting though is that uh, when you posted your video, you say that you said that you didn't shoot as well as you had liked, and so it seems like you had a pretty solid day overall. But I mean, yeah. You know. Well, so leading up to the match, I did practically no practice. I haven't shot like shot a couple of local matches, and that was it. Like I haven't done like I haven't even done the most dry fire. I think I could I've probably dry fired for this entire month of August, maybe ten times this entire month. That's it. And that's not much for me. That really so I just yeah. I and like I didn't get a lot of live fire because you know I try and get to the range every week, um, but I just didn't feel that comfortable going into this match. Uh, so, like fundamentals wise, I felt okay. But then like match skills wise, um, you know, like blending all the fundamentals with movement and everything, I think it could have used some work. And I was looking at my match footage, and it was definitely showing because like my movement was a little bit choppier. Um, like my target entrance uh, and like setups were a little bit more choppy and they weren't as fluid as they should be. So 
like I feel like I just lost a lot of time on those, not necessarily losing time on that the actual shooting part. So so I think like my match skills felt a little bit diminished. Gotcha. Compared uh. to um. C- compared to you, you know, like my my norm, like for you. Shooting was always a deficiency. Everything else was always good. Uh-huh. It's like moving for you is looks easy like compared to when I do it. And I don't know if that's because you're short, you're, you know, like Lower five, five six gravity. inches shorter uh-huh. than me. And I, I actually do think that's a movement benefit because it lowers your center of gravity that much more. It does. And, you know, um, I, believe it or not, I played years of years and years of tennis. Um, and, you know, that, that had built a lot of good fundamentals and movement in general. Um, oh, cause like I, go. like I pretty much remember in high school having to do like every week we, I think we had about six hours of speed training where we had a speed coach, um, actually just drilling us for about 30 minutes of nonstop running and sprinting using cones, ladders and all that stuff. Um, I'm just a little fatter now, <laughs> so it's a little harder yeah. to, to harness that, but you know, I, being shorter definitely helps getting your legs moving faster and, and taking yeah. corners a little bit harder. So, um, but then that also, you know, with my weight now you see me slip a lot and it's because i'm pivoting too hard um, you're throwing more weight around yeah just not as light on the feet um, yeah but no i you know it, it makes sense and i think i i also think to be honest there was a little bit of a mental block for you too being at area eight you know i think there were, there were a lot of <laughs> there were a lot of offhanded comments from canada that they like oh i've been pointing my gun at somebody today or like oh i made it through that stage um yeah m- m- pretty much I wanted to shoot the master without DQing or coming close to DQing or starting or starting anything like that because when like on Facebook and everything when I was talking about Area Eight, people were already giving me flack like a week before the match started, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this stage, this stage, this stage, and they're like, oh, you should just worry about not pointing your gun at people on that stage. And I was like, oh, all right, thanks, guy. <laughs> yeah, and like I could definitely tell that Keanu was just a little more conservative with. This I shot it. Going. I shot it very conservative, and I and I still felt pretty good about it, but. Um, yeah. I, like I didn't have that many mistakes, right? No, like I had yeah. a I had a couple um I had a couple like footing issues, a couple um bad shot calls, um but outside of that, like I didn't make a lot of mistakes. But it also meant I was a lot more conservative um time wise. So yeah, I, but, uh, like sorry, I think ahead. I lost a few percent just in the um just in not being aggressive because I shot that match very very casual like I yeah. was I, n- I never felt pushed that match I never felt like I was stressing myself or anything like that like I just felt very in control um which isn't it's I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing but I needed to let loose what like I, I have to learn to let loose when I have to especially on stages that are you know complementary like, to your skill set yeah like stages um, with a lot of aggressive movement I'm generally not good in like I can shoot well on the move but when it comes to aggressive um fast moving it's harder for me yeah um and you know it could be a you know a height thing too i mean you see some really tall people they but look at mason lane he's like 10 feet tall and he moves like a freaking like you know normally people that height move like baby giraffes he moves like a gazelle yeah but he's also like 18 or was it 23 or whatever now i'm not that much uh, older 22. than him and I um, still I, I move like I'm like ten years older than him. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably all the coffee you drink. Not gonna lie. Um, Whoa, are you saying the four monsters I had that match <laughs> didn't help? Probably. Oh no, it, it probably helped quite a bit actually. But you know, from the from, I, I guess my main takeaway from this match as well though, um, was from a scoring perspective because Keanu was shooting very conservatively, but he was also consistent throughout the entire day, and you had an eighth place finish in limited. 
Yeah, uh, so right? I had eighth place seventh, behind. Eighth? I had an eighth place behind uh, six GMs, six all very good GMs, and like we're talking people like uh, Michael Ginra, um, Shane Coley. Uh, who else was there? Who else shot limited? I don't know many limited shooters, but no, it was it was like the national like. You know, like, national top sixteen level people. Like you would recognize their names when you see the. If you shoot limited and you pay yeah. attention to USPSA, you'd know their names. So like, I don't feel bad about my placement, but I felt like I didn't shoot as well as I should have. Yeah, but I mean, but I think that that really shows you though, like a consistent match for fourteen stages is going to be very important when it comes to point accumulation. Yeah. And so like you know, theoretically in my head, you know, it always makes sense when it comes to point distribution perspective. Um, you don't have to be in like the top 10% of every stage um, to get a good placement because there, I think we had 520 people for area eight and that's a lot of point distribution per stage if you really think about it. Yeah. I think in open, we had about 120 shooters. And so if you're thinking about how you place from a point perspective, you really don't have to push you know, to be getting that top 10 finish per stage to place very well. Mm-hmm. And I think... Uh, you know, luckily for me, the speed shoot was only 40 points. So I, I pretty much zeroed that stage, I would assume, when it comes to points for open. Um, but I think I had t- at least two stages where I was actually in the top 10 finish for open and actually overall. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was eighth place on that uh, that stage with the 25-yard tuxedos. Yeah, you did really well on that and stage. And then I think I was seventh on the last stage we shot. It's like called House of Cards or whatever. Um that was when you beat JJ on. Yeah, Yay, yeah, it is. Go but, Chris. but I think when it when it came to point distribution, I think that really helped me a lot for the match and my placement. But a lot of my other stages, I was not placing very well. I was probably in like the fortieth to twentieth percentile. Finish. But that would make sense because you ended up at like what, like thirtieth and open, right? 30, yeah, thirty something and open. Yeah, I think I, I was like thirty eighth and open. Or so something. it correlates. It it does, but like to me, that really showed that you know if you have some really good stages and you have some bad stages, like the bad stages can be overcome in a match that is 14 stages long. But it kind of nets out in the end, right? Like it's from like a mental, from, from a mental and stamina perspective, it makes more sense to shoot a match consistently and playing to your strengths, you know, not necessarily going too crazy on certain stages where you might, where you like, you maybe shouldn't. Yeah. Right. So um, maybe, cause so maybe kind of nets out. So if you shot the entire match, like, you know, more in control, maybe you would have, you maybe would have placed around the same. Yeah, but or even but, better maybe. But like, let's say you know you you're controlled and you're composed for the stages where you're really trying to maximize your points by minimizing your mistakes for your weaknesses, and then really pushing hard on the stages that are really tuned to your strengths is probably better than just either pushing too hard all day or just playing too conservatively all day. You know? Yeah. And so I think it the scoring is very it's a very different thought process at a major match with that many people over that many stages than a hundred person local match with, you know, six or seven stages. And you yeah, know, um, it's, I feel like it's almost mathematics to a scale. Like when you look at hundred people, it, it acts a certain way, but well, that's kind of how the scoring adds up. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. But then when you add 500 people, um, the scoring, the point it just draws out the scoring a lot. It, it really does. And you know, just because you finished 60th on a stage, doesn't mean your day's over and you're ruined if you're uh, one of the people who likes to check their score throughout the day. Yeah. Um, and it's like not every day. I think Siler won the match by less than two points. 
you don't see that at local matches just because of the points distribution. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, that's, like, at nationals and, like, world shoot and area matches, that's when you see it. And it's kind of cool to, to kind of see how the data gets drawn out um, or how the scores get drawn out versus um, how they come out in local matches. Yeah. And, like, it's funny, though, because conceptually in your head you'll understand that concept, but then you don't really get it until you see it on practice score and seeing, like, how you place based yeah. off of you know your stage by stage uh finish so yeah to me that was a big takeaway for me and you know i had <laughs> i had some really bad stages like they were not good but i still ended up doing quite well um because i had your juice- times were crazy fast your speed was there like everything was there you just didn't connect on some on some things yeah but like my hit factors were not that great yeah, you, you um, did drop a lot of points yeah i was dropping a lot of points um just having just having issues on certain places but having a match that was that much of a dumpster fire but then placing but it's like still beating the people that you that you know like here locally still beat you yeah and and i think that really was thanks to those two stages where i did have a top 10 finish overall because I feel like I got a ton of points for that, and then the point distribution just didn't trickle down like you would expect it to at a local match because of how drawn out it was. And to me, I think that's what really solidified that aspect of scoring at a major match is way different than a local match. Yeah, kind of. Fundamentally the same. Fundamentally the same, but it just but just like in terms of real numbers, yeah, it and comes so, you out know, way different. In in technology, we call this capacity testing, like things things in, interact in a different way once you really start putting pressure on the system um and like to me that's just what it was for shooting like i understood the concept um but it, i didn't really understand how it worked until i really saw it and then you know you put that pressure on the system and then you see what the outcome really is yeah speaking of outcomes i do feel pretty good like i was seventh loser <laughs> in limited um and i i was three percent away from an m class win uh, but comparing myself, so I started the season, um, the first major match I shoot every year is the Florida State Championship, and that's uh, one of the matches that Manny Bragg shoots every year. Um, so I've like I've had like a good litmus test to compare myself against um, every year at the beginning of the season. And looking back, so I finished, I shot, last year I shot 76% of Manny. Or seventy four percent, something like that. Um, at the twenty, at the uh, was it 2018? 2018, yeah. uh Florida State Championship. This year, twenty nineteen, at Florida State in January, I placed eighty eighty eight percent of Bragg. Oh, nice. Uh huh. And then this year, he shot eighty eight percent of the winner, uh, Michael Ginra, and I shot eighty one percent of uh michael ginra so i was uh, i'm now only seven percent behind manny so tracking like tracking skills wise um assuming manny's as consistent as he is which he is he's a phenomenal shooter and if it's one thing manny's really good at it's he's he's very very controlled um if you've seen him shoot so i feel pretty good about my placement like relative to manny it's like yeah sure he might be you know, thirty times older than I am, and <laughs> you know, have have uh, titles, have USPSA titles with the word senior in them and champion in them. But you know what, Manny's still a great shooter. He's still a top sixteen USP USPSA uh, limited national shooter. So, you know, comparatively from the beginning of the year to this year, I feel really, really good about it. Yeah, and w- which is good. And um, 
you know, thinking about my finish, um, I'm just surprised that I finished where I did, to be honest. I was really expecting more. I know, I thought I'd beat you. Yeah, I was, I was really expecting like 100 to 115 to 120, you know, placement. But I, I walked away with, you know, a lot better. And surprisingly, I shot, I think, 78% of Siler, which is, to me, crazy with the well, way that it makes that sense, I shot. though, because you're, you know, you're in A class, like that tracks. It does. But, but you should, I, I think you still could have shot better, and yeah, it was uh, not out of your reach at all. Yeah, and so again, I was just surprised that on one of my worst days, in my opinion, recently, like just having a really bad day, still netted a finish at what it did. And to me, that was just a really surprising thing for me. And it's, you know, it gives me hope for the future. Yeah, uh, I, I think so. I think skill-wise, last year you shot pretty pretty close to about your skill in open last year. Mm-hmm. And this year, I still think you shot pretty close to about your skill, maybe, maybe if not a little worse. But either way, both matches were pretty rough for you. But yeah. it still shows, like as far as bad matches go, what a bad match was back then compared to a bad... And this was only a year ago. Yeah, uh-huh. Compared to what a bad match is now. So, like, the difference is gargantuan. Which And it's, you know, it's just... It's very hopeful for me because now we know, you know, if I'm having a bad day where I'm uh, shooting a lot of no-shoots and just making a lot of mistakes and going to war with steel, you know, I'm still shooting percentage-wise as an A-class shooter. But that also means that if I really put things together, like I know that I can, I'm probably going to see you know a, a mid eighty percent finish on the the first place open. Yeah, like I so. I really don't think shooting, like for I think for you it's just getting getting yourself under control in the actual shooting part. But I, I have no reason to see why an M class, you know, um, major performance should not be possible. Yeah, and hopefully that'll just uh, that'll be the way I hit M next year. Which would be nice, but we'll see if I shoot carry optics or not. I, I think you're close, but it's hard. I think it's especially hard in open because you have a lot of masters or you have a lot of uh, master level A class shooters. Um, yeah, but I like to think that that's kind of where I'm at now if I put it together. And yeah. So technically, it shouldn't be out of reach for me either if I'm playing. You know, if I'm playing my best game. Um, yeah, I guess. I, like, like I said, I think I think the issue for you is control and just keeping it together. Yeah. I'm just glad Aaron's out of A class, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> well, he never should have been A class in the first place. No. So, uh, like he's, I think skill wise, he's getting pretty close to GM. So yeah, I mean, he placed. What was his placement at uh, Buckeye Blast? Do you remember? He was second or third overall. He was like ninety-two percent or something over. Uh, yeah, and then Baker, like he right? he shoots with Tilly pretty regularly too, and he shot like I think the most recent match uh, I, I saw him shoot with Tilly, he shot like ninety something percent of Tilly. Which is yeah. crazy, considering like he's only been shooting for your for a few years, and he's only twenty one. Yeah, I know. He, I thought he was much older than that. He looks uh, older too, and he acts older. Yeah, but you know, I had this uh, this pipe dream at South Carolina that I was gonna be beating Aaron throughout the year, and uh, and then before I knew it, he was just crushing everybody. So um, I'm just glad he's out. Well, of he class. shoots like every day, so that's not a fair comparison. Yeah, it's true. And I work every day for more hours than I should. He's in college, um, so he doesn't have work. Yeah. Oh, the good old days. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, overall, I think it was, there was a lot of good takeaways for the both of us. Yeah, uh, it was nice match. to see a lot of heat come out. We didn't have anywhere near this much heat come out last year. Yeah, and like, um, I, I think, think who, JJ came out last year, right? Max J- Michelle JJ, Max Michelle, Cody Baker was out, Vlieger was out. But like, so I, Siler didn't come shoot last year, though. He didn't, yeah. Um, But he was, he was still whooping butt last year. Yeah. Um, 
And but as far as limited goes, there is a lot more limited heat this year. Like I don't think Shane Coley shot last year, and neither did Bragg, uh-huh. or um, or any of those people. I think Ginra shot last year, but I don't remember much of anyone else last year. Yeah, and I think another nice thing too is that there was also a lot of heat within like M class, A class as well. Yeah, um, and so aside from all the GMs that came out to shoot, you know, the national level GMs, I feel like there were just also a lot a lot more shooters coming out at the higher level in the classes that we shoot at, which I think was just really nice. Yeah. I uh-huh. mean, well, I, I think there are a lot of M class limited shooters in our area though. I, I really, f- I don't feel like I see them very often though. I see them. There are all the majors and they're all from this area. And like, there are like 10 to 15 of them who shoot every major in this area. Uh, okay. I, which I is a that. lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think. At local matches, I probably don't see many limited. limited no, but but I think yeah. just seeing two or three limited masters is a lot for a pretty small area like ours. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I st- like I think we still we also have a lot of like PCC GMs and yeah, uh-huh. um, and like open we have a good few open GMs and open M. So I I think in our area the skill is there, but at the at the level of performance for national like. Uh, you know, for for national top sixteen skills, I don't think our area is quite that yet. Not yet, but I feel like it's every year people are just getting better. I know. And it's, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of nice being in this area because it's annoying we, me because I have to work harder to win yeah. local matches. <laughs> but then I you can't know, flex on uh, flex on the bads. But but this also means we've got to stay sharper throughout the year, which is you know it's a especially the way that we shoot with a lot of people in our area. It's it's pretty hatefully. It's hatefully competitive in a nice way, but it's um, also really hateful. Like it's really mean, but it's yeah. great. But but like it also it's also more fun because I feel like we're all progressing together where we can continue to be hateful to each other without, you know, all of a sudden it's, it's like it's like we're still uplifting each other while being extremely like aggressive and, you know, demeaning towards each other. Yeah, but it hasn't like the skill disparity hasn't gotten to the point where it's just Oh, I'm gonna like I'm an M class shooter. I'm just gonna trash talk the C class shooter and just forever keep him mentally repressed. Yeah, or like you know, luckily nobody's skyrocketed to GM, you know, shooting thirty or forty percent higher than the next person and actually just being demeaning and mean because they're... well, Wampler <laughs> shoots like ten ten to twenty percent better than a lot of people. Well, let's here, be real, Wampler is Wampler is probably the, one of the nicest people in our area. So like that's not a high bar though, given a lot of the people we shoot with. Yeah, well, but I would say the disparity between Wampler and the other people we shoot with is a very high gap of niceness. So are you saying I have so, to be nicer to shoot better? No, absolutely not. Okay, good. But, like, it would be actually mean if you were, like, Wampler stomping, you know, 20 30% and just, like, telling people that they're terrible at shooting. I'm so. adding this to life goals so I can do that. <laughs> I can flex even harder. And so that's, that's the nice thing about the competition that we have is that we're all progressing together and, and there's real no disparity in skill yet where it's, it's like a fraternity of shooting yeah but <laughs> but it's not to the point where like it's actually mean because a gm who crushes you every match is making fun of you so that's no, nice. people who are competitive with each other yeah um so yeah. it's just it's uplifting hate speech yeah and it just drives Which you i'm all game for drives you to be better and to shoot yeah. better all right or, so we're running a little over on time and we apologize for not having a uh, a podcast over the last couple of weeks i think life Life hit Chris pretty hard and just a little bit. Um, yeah. we, like we've all just had our hands full with like, with like Area Eight coming up and stuff like that. And we're trying to get some more stuff rolled out with CSRG in the future for next year. 
Um, so we've just been we've just had our hands full uh, outside of the actual workplace. So yeah, and so hopefully you know we'll get back on a good cadence for the podcasts. And, yeah, we uh, were supposed to do one at Area Eight, but we we ended up getting busy at uh, Area Eight too because we just spent a lot of time at the range and then. Yeah, I mean, let, let's. Be Chris real. basically almost died getting there, and, and back, and getting back. Yeah, um, but yeah, hopefully we get on a more regular cadence. And you know, if anybody has any topics that they want us to cover, uh, you know, shoot us a message on Instagram or whatever, and uh, we'll try. You know, it's going to be very helpful for us as we get more topics to talk about. And you know, hopefully we're putting it out in a more regular cadence. Yeah. Um, but everybody, thanks for tuning in. This has been the CSRG podcast. My name is Chris. My name is Keanu. Shoot well. We'll see you on the range.